actually mean to be truly global to the extent we can, local, national, and international simultaneously, east, west, north, south, but from a place of actual growth and empathy. And this is where, again, this, this questions of consciousness come in. The questions of cultivating empathy, cultivating compassion, cultivating awareness, the complete antithesis of social media modes. Long-term thinking, compassion, seeing complexity, comfort with oneself, solitude, the opposite of instant gratification, the attempt to constantly humanize and not dehumanize your fellow humans. These are all completely countervailing forces to the market technologic that subsumes all of us today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Socialist Evolution. I'm your host, Ashley Kreis. We open up today's show with a clip from the late Michael Brooks. Michael passed away yesterday, unexpectedly at age 37. It's a really hard day for everyone on the left. There's so few of us, and Michael was a true humanitarian and empathetic, brilliant educator whose core of his politics was lifting up working people across the globe. One of the reasons today is so hard for so many people is because he truly did have a unique voice. It's irreplaceable. And his sudden death is so tragic. It's really sad. I'm sorry to open the show up crying, but I'm a crier. I've already cried twice on this program, if you haven't been able to tell or not, but it's one of the reasons why I even am who I am and why I do the things that I do is because I like care deeply and feel deeply the pain of people that I don't even know. So I've had this like bizarre emotional reaction to the passing of Michael Brooks, this person who I've never even met. But for the last two years, has completely shaped like my political identity. He has taught me more than any other person that I listen to. You know, on TYT, if anyone listens to TYT, Cenk always says, we're not the Young Turks, you are the Young Turks. And he's always talking about how we're all in this together. And the thing is, that's so true. Like, we're so small on the left. There is no Fox News. There is no MSNBC. There is no CNN. All we have are the independent news sources that we go to that, like, thank God exist. So we can have some, like, reality in this world. One of the things that Michael Brooks did so well and why he's so important and why this is so hard, it was almost like it was his mission to like reteach us everything that we learned about the United States imperialism and empire. 
in our public education systems. Everything that he talked about was he could bring back to U.S. imperialism, you know, in Latin America or in the global south, across the world. There's people I would never even know existed if it weren't for Michael Brooks doing his illicit histories on Sundays or having guests on to discuss things that you could only dream of having been taught at your public high school. So this is a huge loss on the left. I think a lot of people are going to be processing this for a, a while. So part of the this show, the original concept of the show, I mean, and it's still remains. It's called Socialist Evolution. All of us go on a journey to get to the point that we are today in our political ideologies. And there's different things that happen along the way that shape that journey. Whether it's your own actual personal experiences, whether it's people that you meet, that share their stories with you, a book that you read that makes you think about something in a different way, a movie or a documentary, a podcaster and a journalist like Michael Brooks. And there have been a lot of podcasts and independent news sources that have shaped my political ideology. As someone who grew up in a Republican household, you know, like becoming a TYT member, that was something that definitely was like a huge transition in the way that I was getting my news, but nobody more so than Michael Brooks has affected my political evolution. That's why even though it's so hard right now, I just feel it's really necessary to talk about him. And for anyone who didn't know him, I also just want people who didn't know him to know how influential he was. If you didn't know him, I like highly recommend that you go check out his work. You can find him on YouTube. You can find him on podcasts. He had a show, The Michael Brooks Show. He also co-hosted the majority report with Sam Cedar and I'm gonna play a couple more clips maybe I'll do one right now because the only thing getting me through right now is watching clips of him being funny so not only was Michael like a brilliant educator he was really fucking funny and It's part of what made listening to him so much better because not only would you be getting these like huge doses of like real American history and these like serious, serious issues, he would just bust out an impression or make some sort of joke and it would just completely, it would help you get through, you know, how do you get through the bad times if you can't laugh? Um... So I'm going to play for you guys one of his impressions. If you didn't know who he was, this is it's really funny. 
he would do a, an Obama impression that was like radical Islam Obama, which basically this Obama impression was like Michael Brooks doing the Obama that like Fox News viewers think exists. Um, so it's really funny and I'm going to play that for you guys right now. And then hopefully when we come back, I can be a little bit more collected as we proceed throughout the show. You hear that beautiful music in the background, Sam? I do. You hear that gorgeous call to prayer mm-hmm. of my faith, the Islamic faith, the one and truly only faith of God, the one and truly only faith of Allah. Here's what I'm really doing with the guns. Yeah. White people, I'm about to take all your guns. I'm coming for you. The fruit of Islam is ready. We're locked and loaded and ready to bear, baby. No more guns. White people are going to have to pray to the only true and living God, the black God of Allah, and bow ties for everybody. You ready for this? Oh, so everybody's got to wear bow ties. And are you saying that um, basically you're outlying guns, but just for white people? Just for white people. See, that's what people got it twisted. Remember I said I respect gun laws? I'm going to over-respect gun laws when it comes to black people. I see what you're saying. Yeah, there's tiered systems. Arabs and black people get a lot of guns. Iranian people get the most guns because Iran, obviously, favorite right. country of the world. Uh, Hispanic people are sort of in the middle, so they'll get some. Uh, and then there's a tier system within the Hispanic. Mexicans, more guns. Puerto Ricans, more guns. Cubans, less guns. <laughs> Fuck them. Uh, white people, you don't want to make a grand total of how many guns you get? Uh, yeah. Zero. Zero. You yeah. got nothing. For white people. All it's right. just the, the greatest joy of my life to watch those pale, disgusting, pasty faces fall into complete and utter desolate sadness as I take away not only their guns, but their culture and their hopes and dreams. I hate the white man. He's of the devil. He was made in a cave in the worst parts of Europe, produced from the lowest forms of humanity. And I'm so glad to bring him back to his proper state, enslaved to now, the black man. Now, hold on for one second. Well, hold on. Stop, stop the music. Let me just Don't ask stop that music. Hold I'm president, hold baby. Hold on. What? Let me All right. just... <laughs> He's just fucking funny. I hate the white man. He was made in the cave in the worst parts of Europe. Except that was a little bit more southern and definitely not Obama. But anyways... Michael Brooks, rest in power. So, uh, I do have a schedule over the course of like a year, eight months or so. I have different books and things planned out, different documentaries that I wanted to watch together on the Tuesday episodes when we do the evolution episodes. And one of the books that is quite far off in the future is Michael Brooks' book, A Cosmopolitan Answer to the Dark Web. I didn't want to do that book right away because I kind of want to do more like fundamentals of socialism and communism before we start diving into more like nuanced things, you know, not just like issues, but actions and how more nuanced ways of like how we take what we're talking about and actually put action behind our words but just in light of everything and as a small like tribute to Michael Brooks I think we're gonna move his book ahead and we can start talking about that next week 
So, you can find his book on Amazon. He also promoted it really heavily, though, to be purchased through Red Emma's bookstore. It's a cooperative bookstore in Baltimore. So, I'll put the link for Red Emma's in the show notes. We're going to start his book next week. And if anyone wants to, like, read it along as I go through it, it's going to be more fruitful for the episodes, but also... You should buy his book. Everyone should buy his book. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's kind of the plan. And I think too, just because, as I was saying earlier, he has been such an important part of my political evolution. I just want to honor that in this time. I wouldn't be sitting here like even talking to you if it wasn't for Michael Brooks. He was a leader and he never tried to claim that and he never would have called himself that but he was really doing something that nobody else was doing and we're so lucky that we even had his brilliant mind for the 37 years that we did and there's hella archives and illicit histories that it doesn't even it doesn't need to be current it's not like listening to someone talk about the daily news or something like that. All of his content you can find on Patreon. Um, but yeah, I don't really know how to wrap it up besides just reiterating how truly devastating of a loss this is. For his friends and family, I just can't even imagine what they're going through. But for everyone on the left... We lost a bright flame, and hopefully we can do our best to carry on the work that Michael is doing and make sure that everything that he's put his time into hasn't been in, in vain, and that as we listen to him talk about an international labor struggle, a multiracial, international, working-class coalition of people who all rise up together. That's what we strive for. And that's something that, at least on this show, we'll never stray from. None of us can rise until all of us rise. I want to close on one last quote. Michael brought to so many people's attention the struggle of Lula da Silva, who was falsely imprisoned in Brazil. He talked about that. He gave that international issue a platform on the left. Lula Livre, long live Lula. And Lula was released from prison and Michael went to Brazil and he interviewed him. And it was a beautiful thing to see. I remember that day on the left to everyone it was kind of a secret that Michael was going to Brazil. And then he, you know, he was off the majority report for a week and everyone's like, where's Michael? He's traveling. And then it just, he posts a picture of himself with Lula and he's just cheesing. <laughs> That's the biggest smile on his face and Lula's holding a Michael Brooks shirt. This is a really important person. It's a hero for Michael. And he tweeted... 
a quote from Lula. But this quote from Lula directly applies to Michael. So we'll end on this. Those in power can kill one, two, or three roses, but they will never be able to stop the coming of spring. Michael was a rose. Let's carry on his good work. All right. So I do apologize in advance if I'm a little bit scatterbrained for the remainder of the show. It is kind of weird right now. Um, also, as you can probably tell, I'm a very emotional person. Like I feel my emotions and it's usually okay because I'm like generally happy. But when I'm sad, I like feel that sadness and it's also why I get so heated up because when I'm like passionate about something and I'm upset like I get upset um but you know like I said it's usually okay because I'm happy but it's a politics show <laughs> so it's not often that we do get to be happy um I do have good news though so now that I've been back in Denver, I've been getting active again. Like I've said previously, living on the farm, it was really hard to consistently go to protests or events because it's like an hour and 10 minute drive to the grocery store. It's four and a half hours from the biggest city that would be having, you know, nightly events. So it was pretty difficult. But now that I've been back in Denver, I've been getting active again and uh, Let's see now. Today is Tuesday. On Sunday, in Denver, a half of a block away from the the Capitol and a half of a block away from our city hall in the amphitheater in the park, some fascists decided that they were going to hold a pro-police rally. So this is mere days after John Lewis passed away. Elijah McClain's murderers haven't faced any consequences. People who were fired from the police department, they were fired because they took a photo mocking Elijah McClain's death. Nothing's actually happened in response to his murder. Nothing's happened to the murderers. So I don't think, especially now, but especially never, is it appropriate to hold a pro-police rally? So, PSL, the Party for Social Liberation in Denver, organized a counter-protest to the pro-police rally. And I went with a friend. I went as part of DSA, so we were with a group of DSA members. And it was insane. I have so much video, but it's just like cowbells and like a bunch of noise making and things like that that aren't super pleasant on the ear which is the point we started off at we congregated at the capitol so we just had to 
march like a half of a block through the park to get to this group of people that were congregated in the amphitheater and they had people on motorcycles and they had cops protecting them cops in riot gear and then the national guard was out also there so there's you know like militia looking ass people and we sur- we surrounded like one half of the amphitheater and then continued to like creep in down the steps into the middle and just push this group of mega heads trump supporters pro cop fascists further and further out of the amphitheater until eventually at one point the national guard moved to allow the bikers to leave the amphitheater they left we're making the noise the whole time so they can't do anything they can't talk there was more of us than there were of them um and we shut their shit down and we won I feel like it's rare on the left to set a goal and get instant gratification. You know what I mean? Just think about all like the months and years of work that you put into a campaign or a project and you never see any movement or you just straight up lose. You know, you put months and years of work into a campaign and you lose. So you don't, we don't get, we don't get that many wins. So when you do win, it feels really good. So we shut their shit down and it was amazing. The organizers of the pro-police rally, the cops actually requested that they not have the event because they knew that it was going to be confrontational, which it was. But the protesters or the organizers of that rally, they had it anyways. Um... I'm going to say there was maybe a hundred of them and like 200 to 300 of us, but they also had the cops on their side. And the thing is in the amphitheater, so the whole time, and we do the, I was in the amphitheater and I had someone outside of the amphitheater who I was like constantly in like body language contact with because I had my cell phone in airplane mode. There, the cops were... They kept, like, moving in their group around the amphitheater. So I was constantly trying to position myself in a way where I wasn't, like, the cops were never behind me. You know, because if something happens, you have to run for it. So I was just constantly in a position where I'd be able to, like, run if anything did happen. Not to mention the pepper spray is... The pepper spray gun, it almost reminds... It's like a militarized water gun so there's a reservoir that holds all the pepper spray as if it was like a water gun but an evil water gun that'll fuck you up but the canister's yellow so I also just had my eye on not only like the cops but specifically like the line of yellow canisters and if I saw any of them like move up I would know instantly to like even before I like saw the pepper spray I would see that yellow move And then I would, like, run for the hills. So it was scary down there. And then eventually, though, I did have the thought. I was like, you know, they're not going to spray pepper spray all over the place when there's all these pro-police people here. Like, there are people here that fucking like the police, these, like, bootlickers who are out here (laughs) with signs saying, like, protect the police. 
as if they don't realize, like, the police don't need protecting. They have guns. They're standing here with pepper spray, full riot gear. There's the National Guard. Like, what protecting do the police need? I was making noise with, I found, um, I don't know if it was like a cane or something, because there was like a little rubber piece on the end of it, but it was a broken piece of wood and uh, an air horn canister. It's just two things that I found on the ground, and I was just like banging those together to make some noise. Really? That versus police? Like, who needs the protecting here? And uh, I guess, too, like, the things that I'm about to get into, they do make Michael Brooks' book timely in light of what we are, what I'm, like, discussing literally, like, right in this moment, but what we're going through as a country. There's, like, I don't, it's so hard to figure out how these people think. And part of the way, part of the reason they think the way that they do is because there's so many, like, right-wingers online that are just spewing all this, like, crazy shit. And uh, Michael's book is about how we respond to the dark web. You know, how do you respond to people who are acting in bad faith? The, the Ben Shapiro's and, like, Sam Harris's of the world. And one of the reasons it's so hard to respond to these people, like, to respond even to people in person at the rally who would, like, say things to you. Um, small aside, there was a man who, uh, he was an old man, he, white hair, and, like, he was old. Um, he came up to me, and he was like, can I ask you a question? And I was like, no, get away from me. You don't have a mask on. And he's like, what? And I'm like, you don't have a mask on, don't talk to me. And I, like, start trying to move away from this guy, and he, like, walks towards me. And I was like, dude, you're racist, and you don't have a mask on? He had a little flag thing on his shirt. Don't talk to me. Like, get away from me. And I was able to get away from him, and these two girls saw what was going on, and they were like, he's been following us around everywhere, and he just keeps being, saying, can I ask you something? What do you think you're even accomplishing here? Like, you're not even doing anything. Like, why are you even here? And it's like, yo, dude, you literally could say, we could say the same exact thing about you. Like, what is this guy accomplishing? We did accomplish something. Like, we won. We beat them. We showed them that, you know what? You can't celebrate the cops in our community. Get the fuck out of here. You guys are racist and we're not going to stand for this. You don't get to have your rally. And we did accomplish that. So uh, that was weird. Um, but yeah, these people do try and talk to you. And one of, at one moment, there was this guy. And I saw him a couple times throughout the day. And I have his face burned into my mind. And I have some suspicions about him that I'm not going to say. But I now know what this person looks like. And I'm not going to fucks with them. But someone, there's a couple of nice little burnings that we had throughout the day. And at one point, throughout the day, it was like three hours. Um, At one point, someone burned a Trump flag. And, the, you know, people kind of like dance around it. And it was like fun and nice. 
And this guy, maskless, <laughs> that's like the number one way that you can tell. They'll have like a flag pin or shirt or like whatever, something obvious, but also the mask. Like it really is true. A lot of them did not have masks on. But this guy comes over and stomps out the flag. He like makes it his like personal mission to like put out like the the fire on the flag, even though at this point the flag's like completely destroyed. So like whatever, you're just kind of like stomping on a pile of ashes anyways. But everyone starts like mocking him and he starts screaming at us that we're fascists. Fascists, fascists, you're all fucking fascists. And it's just like, dude, you literally are in a space to celebrate the group of people that have been militarized to fucking crush the people in the name of the government, in the name of big money and, like, corporations. These people protect private property. It's crazy how... And I've had some conversations about this, and I am coming to the conclusion, not that it's, like, just one thing or the other, but I'm coming to the conclusion that the fascists literally are so deluded that they actually don't realize that they're the fascists. And some of them know. Like, don't get me wrong. I think that some of these people definitely know that they're in support of the authoritarians and they like the power you know they just like even the power of like being on that team but I think some of them are so deluded that they actually don't realize that they're the fascists the thing is though Antifa means anti-fascist do they not realize that Antifa means anti-fascist like they might not realize the abbreviation stands for anti-fascist but I literally saw someone tweet the anti-fascists are the real fascists it's not about words it's about actions when the Nazis marched on Charleston and murdered Heather Heyer. Donald Trump, in a speech, said that there are good people on both sides. Donald Trump has proven time and time again, and that's just like the first thing that comes to my mind, that he's a Nazi sympathizer. Donald Trump associates... with Nazis. He has them all over his administration. They're all over the White House. It's one unfortunate reason why it's like crucially important that Donald Trump gets out of office because even though these people are terrible that Joe Biden would come in with, it does not get any worse than Stephen Miller. I mean, there's like some of the most terrible actors on the Trump administration, some of, like, the most hardcore white supremacists. But somehow they've deluded everybody 
on Team Trump into thinking that Antifa is the fascist. It literally just makes no sense. They live in a completely made-up world. How do you combat that? Like, this is what, this is part of what makes this moment so difficult is because there's people who live in the real world and there's people who live in a made-up world. And there's a lot of different made-up worlds. There's not just one made-up world. Everyone... People want to, like, completely reject history. People use whatever is convenient to them in that moment to push their agenda. And I'm not comparing, like, apples to apples here. As far as, I mean, the right literally lives in a world that I don't even know how to, like, crack into that. I don't know how to get through to that. They're a death cult for Trump. They're not wearing masks. It's... But then you have the Democrats who ran a whole campaign around the Me Too movement a couple of years ago. Brett Kavanaugh shouldn't be on the Supreme Court. Hashtag Me Too but they support Joe Biden who has credible rape allegations and other harassment, sexual harassment allegations against him. And they slandered Tara Reid the same way the Republicans slandered Christine Blasey Ford. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if your hat is red or blue. How do we break through to these people? <laughs> I don't know. In the heat of the moment at the protest, I did get a lot of enjoyment out of just yelling racist at any any Trump we're, Trump wearing cop affiliated person that walked by me, and sometimes they were kind of shocked. I think because they were old, like so many of them were old. You know, there's a couple like younger people, but the you could definitely see like the generational divide. And yeah, it felt good. It feels real good to just yell racist at the people who would never think that they're racist. And they would never connect, like, supporting the police to being racist. And also, you know, there's still the people who want to say, like, if you support Trump, you're not racist. I'm sorry, but given everything that's happened, if you do support Trump, you're racist. Like, that's just... That's just what it is. Um, but unfortunately, since logic and reason doesn't work for people on the right, this isn't going to speak much to them, but just a little education on some of these words, because people have no idea what the hell they're talking about when they say Marxist or call someone a fascist or a socialist. They think socialism and communism are the same things. So this is just like a really dumbed down little description of some of these words and what they mean. So fascism, actually let's start with this. So socialism and communism. 
socialism is an economic theory and communism is a political theory. Cat where like and capitalism is an economic theory, but authoritarianism is a political theory. Not theory, but position. You get what I mean. Um, capitalism and socialism are the opposites of one another. So I would, I guess, yeah, communism and authoritarianism then would be like the other, are the antithesis of one another as well. And you can have socialism under more... You can have socialism under like more political ideologies than communism. You can have a socialist democracy. You see it all over Europe. Um, so that's just kind of like a really dumbed down guide to that. If anyone wants to know, like, and we'll get more into the weeds on, you know, the fundamentals of socialism and the fundamentals of communism. Like I said earlier, you know, there's fundamentals that I wanted to go through before doing Michael Brooks's book, but we're doing the book because I just need to. <laughs> and it's important regardless. Um, but we are going to skip ahead to his book. So fascism, in my mind, like the basic premise of fascism is that it is when the government is in service of business instead of the people. So the government no longer exists to serve the people. It exists to serve businesses and corporations. And this is why under, even though that's the principle of fascism in my mind, it's why you see fascism play out so similarly in different timelines. So uh, one of the reasons fascism looks similar like across the board is because the government is no longer serving the best interests of the people. People's lives aren't going to be taken care of. And the longer that goes on, the more and more people are less and less taken care of by the government. And people start living in poverty and people start struggling. And when that happens, people get angry and people get scared. And people get defensive and people go into survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, all bets are off. You know, when you're struggling to feed your family, you need something or someone to blame. And the government doesn't want to be the thing that you blame. So this is why it usually leads to scapegoating of the most powerless in the society. And that usually is immigrants. In Germany, obviously, it was Jewish people, but there were a lot more people than just Jews that were victims in the Holocaust. It was also um, trans or gay people, Roma and Sinti. Um, if you were disabled, I mean, there was literally anyone who didn't fit, you know, the idea of the Aryan race was a victim of the Holocaust and anyone who went against that as well. So uh, in America, we obviously see this happening 
all the time. And we've, our politicians have been blaming immigrants from Latin America, but mostly Mexico. And that's is why also to everyone's like anyone who is brown, they call Mexican. Because we have a political discourse that is constantly like railing against Mexican immigrants coming to America to work. And the thing is, just a short aside, they never talk about why so many Mexican immigrants have come to America to work. And the reason why is because we subsidize five cash crops. One of those is corn. The disgusting corn that turns into all of the junk food products that we eat that make us sick, that make us need to go to the hospital because they give us diabetes or like heart failure and things like that and we have no health care and then we get straddled with gigantic medical bills and we can't leave our jobs and then we are crushed under capitalism. That's why we subsidize corn. All of those terrible effects of corn have found their way to Mexico because of NAFTA. So when the U.S. and Mexico and Canada signed NAFTA, we flooded Mexico with all of this cheap-ass subsidized corn because in this country we have more corn than what we know what to do with. The Mexican farmers who have been growing corn for generations couldn't compete with those prices, so they started coming to the U.S. to work the jobs that literally Americans don't want. The factory jobs, the jobs on farm fields, that's why we have so many Mexican immigrants coming to work, but now too, we have immigrants from all over Latin America coming because we have sold weapons to all of the gangs down there, and they use those weapons to terrorize people and murder people, and it's just, we never talk about why there's so many immigrants coming, but anyways, the politicians have every brown person is Mexican because they just are constantly railing against Mexican immigrants coming and stealing all our jobs. And that's why Americans aren't doing as well is because all the Mexican immigrants are coming and stealing all the jobs. When, as I just dived in, dove into, it's not the powerless that are stealing all of the jobs. It's the people with the most power who are taking away all of the good paying jobs and sending them elsewhere. It's, I mean, there's so many, it's the government working in the business's favor. Why do we subsidize the crops that make us grossly unhealthy? Why aren't we subsidizing actual, like, produce that would help real farmers? Who's growing the corn and the soy? Mega farms like Monsanto. That's who they're working for, but then they have to scapegoat the most powerless. So, are we seeing fascism? in America? Yes, we are. I have, people have been, don't want to be reactionary and people have not wanted to say for a while that Donald Trump is a fascist or a dictator or an authoritarian and, you know, historians like really start to like tiptoe around these words. But eventually, the conversation then becomes about these, like, splitting hairs over whether Donald Trump is a fascist or not, and the conversation completely shifts away from what he's actually doing, 
the actual like terrible behaviors that he is that are just allowed you know and I, I think back to to when AOC first called the detention centers concentration camps and everyone lost their minds and said you know it was disrespectful to the holocaust which is crazy the holocaust doesn't like claim all words associated with genocide but that's like a it's such a bad faith argument there's concentration camps all around the world don't use the holocaust as like a shield to never talk about the terrible atrocities that are happening right now it's like it's bizarre a concentration camp is just a place where a large amount of people are detained they're concentrated in a camp we also had them for jewish people during world war ii we hardly ever talk about i think we like gloss over that real quick and the American history courses, but to split hairs over these like terms and definitions, I think completely misses like the larger picture of what's going on right now. And as I said in an earlier episode, we aren't just knocking at the door of fascism. Like it is happening right now. The protests in Portland this still isn't getting the coverage that it needs to get and people aren't rightly people aren't outraged enough over what is happening in Portland unmarked federal agents are kidnapping people and putting them in unmarked vehicles you really wonder when the international community would like ever step in but they won't because we're it's too fucking powerful with all of our nukes and military that we're now sending out onto the streets. You know, it's really unfortunate that Joe Biden sucks so hard because we really do need to get Trump out of office. And it's a real shame that the Democrats took this opportunity to nominate someone as terrible as Joe Biden. Because, like, does it get worse? No, it really doesn't get worse than Donald fucking Trump. Meanwhile, John Kasich is going to speak at the Democratic National Convention. So what we see right now in America is the complete shift on the political spectrum of the two parties. So at this point, the right wing, the Republican Party is a death cult. If you're out there maskless and still supporting Donald Trump, you're completely out of touch with reality. So while those people have all been living in a different world, the Democrats decided they'd take the free space that they left and move on over to the right. And now the Democrats essentially are the new Republican Party. John Kasich has busted up so many unions in Ohio. He shut down so many abortion clinics. Me too, though, right? 
but they won't let Nina Turner speak. The Democratic Party prefers John Kasich to Nina Turner. Once again, I reiterate why it is so much more important to focus our energies on local politics and labor movements. Keep going out and protesting. Keep going out and doing things for your community. Spend your dollars in the most ethical way that you can afford to do. First step always is stop shopping on Amazon. But go to your used bookstores if you can if you have farmers markets in your area. Unfortunately, there's no like grocery store co-op in Denver, but there is natural grocers. Um We can't trust these people to take care of us. They're taking care of themselves, they're taking care of the businesses. The Republican Party are the fascists. The Democratic Party are their enablers. They might not support the Nazi rhetoric or the racist rhetoric on its face, but they're not stopping Donald Trump. They're not speaking out against what's happening in Portland. They're not doing shit. There's no one to protect us but ourselves. This is why the protests, I mean, keep getting out, keep going out into the streets. People are going to be starting to be evicted really soon, if not already. (sighs) Eviction moratoriums have come and gone. The CARES Act ends. Oh, it's July 21st. The CARES Act ends in 10 days. People are going to run out of money. Things are closing down again. Things aren't getting better. Things are going to get worse. We can't rely on our politicians to take away any of the pain. They're not going to take away any of the struggle. They're going to increase it. And as they increase the pain and the suffering more people will join. In this moment, we will only grow. We're really at a critical point in history. I feel that deeply. I think it's really rare to be conscious of the fact that you are in a historical moment, but that is truly the time that we're in right now. I'm going to leave on this note. At this time in history, when the fascists are threatening to take over the most powerful country in the world with the world's largest military by like a hundredfold are we going to stand up and say fuck you fascists everywhere because we can do it we just did it here in Denver they had the police and the military protecting the pro-police rally 
and we sent them home. And it was scary, but we fucking did it. Everywhere, we all have to fucking do it. Here in America, I actually, at this point, this is kind of crazy, but I have listeners in Hong Kong, Dublin, and the UK, in Scotland. Everywhere. We need to stand up to the fascists in our country because this isn't a problem that is concentrated in America. This is happening all across the globe. There's no time to sit. Right now, we have to come together. We have to put aside our little differences between us on the left. There's different groups. We might have different viewpoints, but there is one common enemy, and that enemy is fascism. It's not a joke. We all have the opportunity right now to put our voices out there, to put our bodies out there, and stop the death of many innocent people because that's what's happening and it will continue to happen. Don't look back on this moment with regret. Make sure that you look back on this moment and know that you did everything in your power to fight for justice. And who knows? Who knows how many days that we get to fight that fight. The best among us can go in a second. Michael Brooks. We fight for the people who have fought their whole lives and didn't get to see the victory that we are all working for. For everyone on this planet. So do what you can. Do what you can in this moment for what's right.